Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. Well, good morning. Welcome to Masterclass Theology. I am Big Rev. And I'm Pancho. And we have the honor of, of continuing our series in 1 Kings. We are in 1 Kings chapter 5. And so let me begin us with a, a word of prayer, and we will journey forth. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what it has to teach us. And and Lord, I, I pray as we study what appears to be more of just like a historical chapter today, that we are able to uh, be challenged, and, and, and we were able to find some direction on our path. And we're just, we're grateful, Lord, that you care for us and you've given us your word to study. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let me share the text here, then we'll get cranking. Okay. So again, we are in 1 Kings chapter 5. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon when he heard that they had anointed him king in, in place of his father. For Hiram always loved David. And Solomon sent word to Hiram, You know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord, his God, because of the warfare with which his enemies surrounded him, until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord, my God, has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And so I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God. As the Lord said to my father, to David, my father, your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, he shall build the house for my name. Now, therefore, command that cedars of Lebanon be cut for me, and my servants will join your servants. And I will pay you for your servants such wages as you set. For you know that there is no one among us who knows how to cut timber like the Sidonians. Well, Pancho, what are your opening thoughts here? Well, so it's cool that uh, Solomon is maintaining those relationships that... Uh his father had and you know his loyal friends and people that have backed him before he's still trying to maintain those those bridges which is a good thing and uh he gets congratulated and then so i like for me personally at least because i haven't you know read it all before and stuff but just uh i'm talking how david you know wasn't able to build a temple because there was so much warfare and strife in his period in, in his uh not period, but his his rulership, his time as king, and it was cool that uh, I guess what I liked, and it wasn't I read I read it in a couple of versions during the week, but uh, I'm using the NLT right now because you got some numbers and stuff, and whenever there's measurements, I like the NLT. But uh, the ESV said puts all his enemies under his feet, and that made me think of in the New Testament where it talks about Jesus and how one day the whole world will be under like the same same phrase kind of got used for uh, King David building his kingdom and handing over to Solomon. And, then, you know, we see that when Jesus is building his kingdom in the future. So I kind of like just that phrase here, just as Lord gave him victory over all his enemies. It doesn't sound as cool, but <laughs> um, right. so I like that. And then you see him starting to ask for some construction materials for the temple. And we kind of talked about this earlier, but I like how, and I never picked up on this before, obviously, but, uh, <laughs> God kind of demands, yeah, maybe demands, but I think demands is the right word for it, like our best. You know, like we, we see that through the first offerings, first fruits, when they were building the tabernacle, you know, they used like gold and silver and 
fine woods and coat skins and all these like more valuable things. So, you know, it's more of a sacrifice for us, but God, you know, doesn't want you just to use a little, little tree down the street. They're using these fine timbers coming in from another nation that men are cutting down and shipping down to them. And, you know, it's, it's something to think about, I guess. Like it's not just half-hearted efforts. We should be giving the Lord. Sometimes. And I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, part part of me, I, I I interrupted your talk with a sneeze. I that was uh, I'm sure our, our our podcast listeners or our YouTube viewers had a, a cutaway to my face in mid sneeze. <laughs> yeah, you know it's there's something about this that yeah, I like how you highlight it, Poncho, from the, from the text that you know David like it, it's as if God gave David a lane, and that lane was. A warlike lane like david was to be fighting and david like part of david's punishment was the sword is never going to leave him and so his punishment from the bathsheba incident and and that first baby they had that that that, that the punishment that the baby died and the second baby they had was solomon and this is solomon but part of that is the sword is never going to depart from your house and so david's lane was a war lane and through that god accomplished peace all around israel and yeah and so so much so that you could picture david's hands being bloody and those hands are not going to form god's house and so god 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 gave david a bloody lane a war lane a warlike lane and solomon is a lane of peace and so solomon gets to reap the blessings of that so now solomon is going to build god's house and that is it's not an indictment on David. It's just that this is the lane that God has given. Like, this is God's choice. And God chose a different path for David and a different path for Solomon. And we, we see that present here because you know, he just says, you know, the Lord has given me rest. You know, God has given me the rest. And he accomplished it through David and all of his efforts, but God has done it. And so now we're going to honor God in my time. And that I would say that's an, always a good response. So Poncho, in your time, I'm going to honor God today, and I'm going to God with whatever whatever seasons of my life that God has given me, I'm going to honor God, and the Lord has given me this time, and I'm going to glorify him with it. And for Solomon here, he appears to be humble, and he appears to know what his lane is, and he's going to use his wisdom and leadership to, to accomplish these things, and this is still good. We like Solomon when he's humble. Yeah. I like what you said too. And it, well, it just kind of made me think about how like David had his warlike blade and that's something that was important. He had to set up a kingdom and get it going. But uh that his son, his direct descendant, had peace in his reign. And then going further down David's line, we have, you know, the Prince of Peace that comes to us through David. So I just kinda like that kind of foreshadow, I guess, that David's doing the, the work, the hard work let's say of setting everything up, but from his line we have peace, which is cool. Yeah, and in fact, you you could argue that Jesus, the son of David, he had elements of David in that Jesus went to war. So 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 Jesus, in his sacrificial death, Jesus, it's like he went to war upon the the handcuffs that sin puts on us, and it's like he went to war against sin and shame because he himself bore our sin. And he, he took our shame. And then when he rose from the grave, he defeated death. So now death no longer has another answer. And that if you belong to Jesus, death, sin and death are no longer 
the last chapters of your book, now one day you will resurrect. And so eternal life is now on the table because death has been defeated. So now life can be something that is now an eternal thing. It's a great, great hope. My wife is off doing a funeral this morning. She's a chaplain. And we don't mourn as Christians. We mourn, but we have hope in the midst of our mourning. That, that those who belong to Christ will see those who belong to Christ one day and we'll have eternal life together. And so you see an element of David and Solomon, or excuse me, in Jesus. But then, so, so Jesus went to war in terms of, you know, it, it, as he, as in Isaiah 53 sense, he, he, he took upon himself or he was given our iniquities and by his stripes, we are healed. But we see an element of the peaceful Solomon as well. Like you're pointing out the Prince of Peace because David went to war and Solomon now gets to build God's house. And we are told in the New Testament that God was pleased, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. And he uniquely became the dwelling place of God. And so now when he's Emmanuel, God with us, now we understand God's dwelling with us or the, the Feast of Tabernacles, tabernacling with us. And so we get that. And so we get this element, this, this, this warlike element of David and this peaceful element of Solomon. We get both of those in a way in Jesus. And so I love how you made the connection to Jesus there because you can see both to some degree in terms of characteristics or two different lanes uh, in Jesus. This is what stands out to me. All right, cool. So let me, pardon me again, let me share, share this. We can keep going here. No, I shared the wrong thing, and that is not. Oh, okay. I'm good. All right. You can see the text. Okay. As soon as Hiram heard the words of Solomon, he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord this day, who has given to David a wise son to be over this great temple. And Hiram sent to Solomon, saying, I have heard the message you have sent to me. I am ready to do all that you desire in the matter of cedar and cypress timber. My servants shall bring it down to the sea from Lebanon, and I will make it into rafts to go by sea to the place you direct. And I will have them broken up there, and you shall receive it. And you shall meet my wishes by providing food for my household. So Hiram supplied Solomon with all the timber of cedar and cypress that he desired, while Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as food for his household and 20,000 cores of beaten oil. Solomon gave this to Hiram year after year, and the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him, and there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a treaty. All right. Well, Pancho, verses 7 to 12, what stands out to you here, my friend? So, looking at some of the stuff, so it looks like uh, Hiram was kind of changing the deal a little bit, though. And uh, we we see how it plays out towards the end of the of the book two or the chapter two, but uh, so Solomon had asked him to he went to the cedars and he said let my men work alongside yours and I will pay your men whatever wages you ask, and then Hiram responds the first thing which I thought was cool uh he's not a a, a believer you know in in Yahweh. But he still says, praise the Lord today for giving David a wise son, which is kind of cool because you see from the Gentiles and unbelievers uh, praising Yahweh, which is kind of cool. And then he says, instead of having uh, Solomon's men come and work alongside his men, he wants to do most of the work with his guys until they get it down to Israel. And then they break the rafts apart. And then 
uh, Solomon's managed to start pitching in and doing the work from that end. But uh, it seems like he kind of wants a different structure to uh, to what Solomon suggested. And then, but they kind of, they still work out the, the formal lines of peace. And because I use NLT because, so the payments he was sending him were 1,000 bushels of wheat and 110,000 gallons of pure olive oil because ESV uses some other <laughs> cores and stuff that, you know, for me as a first-time reader too, don't really resonate with me. I'm sure for most people don't, we don't use those measurements anymore. So, mm. so whenever I, we get measurements, I usually switch to NLT because I like having it in the text where like, oh, it's 110,000 gallons, which is a lot of olive oil a year. And uh, right. so yeah, just for, for the listeners or, or watchers or whatever, it's 100,000 bushels of wheat and 110 gallons of pure olive oil. But uh, yeah, so we see that Lord gives Solomon wisdom and the, the, the terms... They're, they're trying to struggle back and forth on the terms a little bit, but they're still making it work and they're still getting the wood for, for the Lord's temple. Yeah, I find it interesting that this part of the world is is not a is not a safe part of the world right now, and Israel does not have peace on all sides, and and Lebanon is north, and so the northern area is not is not the they're not the greatest friends of Israel right now. So Israel is facing, you know, the potential of war and they've already faced an extreme attack and just horrible consequences from that area. And so we see a time period here where God's wisdom is displayed through Solomon and Solomon is able to have peace with that part, with with a Northern neighbor. And it's interesting that God uses the blessings of Lebanon to build his house. It's like Lebanon has the best cedar trees or site. You know, they, have, they have the best wood. We want the best. And so I also find it interesting that he didn't, they didn't want silver or gold. They wanted food. So that, that kind of talks about the state of their nation and how mm-hmm. they looked at Solomon. It's like, well, you, you've got food. So we want, we want food. And we want the oil to go with that food. So if you, if you can picture well, them. He offered money. He offered yeah. money. at first. I'll pay them whatever you want. And they want food and oil. And, yeah. yeah. So if you take food, you got grain plus oil. Now you can make bread. And so you can make, if at the minimum with, 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 with beaten down grain and oil, you can make a griddle cake or something. So, you, so now the basis of your diet can be met with just oil and, and, and grain. And so. I wonder if like we we have the best cedars known to man, but but we can't eat. And so Solomon's like, I'll give you that. So Solomon's sending his guys up there in shifts. You know, I know I know a lot of modern laborers like to talk about how, you know, the the, the blessings of of the union work week and the this you know five days of labor, forty hour week and weekends that kind of stuff. And we see Solomon here beginning, where it's like, no, you you're going to serve but in, in shifts. And so you're going to have one on and two off. And so, yeah, it's one big shift, but two also two shifts that are this equal size. So one on and two off. So he's got people always going. It would also solve his supply chain issue because as he's sending up these workers, he can send up the payment and, you know, he could bring in all the, all the food, that kind of stuff. And so, especially if it's all at one shot, I mean, that's, there, there's something about that where he, he handled things really wisely and evidently in a way that was also winsome because the other side's like, Oh yeah, I'll take that. That's great. Good idea. We'll do it. And so, yeah, I, I've just, I love how life seems to work out ultimately 
when you obey God and you seek to do things God's way. And so it doesn't mean life's going to be easy, but in an ultimate sense, we see a little, a little, a little kind of a side. We see it in a smaller scale. You know, God gave Solomon wisdom. And right now Solomon wants to honor God by how he deals with his neighbors. And I would definitely say he's loving his neighbor as himself. And yeah, his neighbor has trees and he has, and he needs fine wood and, and he has food. And so they're making that happen. And, and right now Solomon is, is seeking the best for his neighbor. And no matter how the neighbor is going to treat Solomon, Solomon's going to treat his neighbor very appropriately. And there's something about that. And he wants to honor God. And, and that needs to be our goal as well. No matter what situations we find ourselves in, we're going to honor God. We're going to choose to honor God with our relationships and our interactions and yeah, so there's some good stuff. We are the temple now, and we're building it up for him. <laughs> Say that again, please. So we are we are the temple now, right? We're we're the Lord's temple, and we're building it up for him as best we can. Too. Love it. Well, let's finish this off. Thirteen to eighteen. King Solomon drafted forced labor out of all Israel, and the draft number thirty thousand men. And well, I guess I overspoke about the shifts, so they're here now. Okay. And he sent them to Lebanon 10,000 a month in shifts. They would be a month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adonram was in charge of the draft. Solomon also had 70,000 burden bearers and 80,000 stonecutters in the hill country. Besides Solomon's 3,300 chief officers who were over the work, who had charge of the people who carried on the work. At the king's command, they could they quarried out great costly stones in order to lay the foundation of the house with dressed stones. So Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders and the men of Gibal did the cutting and prepared the timber and the stone to build the house. Well, any any thoughts on this final little little chunk here of our text? Yeah, you, you jumped ahead a little bit with uh, the wisdom there of sending the workers in shifts and stuff, but you know yeah. that's the important part. It is our division there, but uh, for sure. That's a that's a solid. That's what I was thinking about too. Like how he again, he's using God wisdom and not overworking the men and sending them off in shifts, even though they're all constricted labor. Just you know, common in the world back then. Um, it might seem weird to us if, if you think about it or whatever. But I mean, we still use prison labor and stuff in this country, and you know, people have opinions on that. But there is still conscripted labor forces in the world, but it was much more common back then. So you know, not something to judge. King Solomon, and I think it's something I thought about. Um, but yeah, you see the wisdom in, in his work schedule, and you know, it wasn't Henry Ford, like people say, or the unions, it was uh, King Solomon. And what I was thinking about. Oh, so here you see like the ending of, of the deal change, you know, where Solomon's wisdom, again, what we're talking about, you know, he proposed something. The, the other king, Hiriam, gave a counter proposal. Like we'll take care of everything until we get to the end, and and then Solomon kind of weighs the options and still says, you know what, we're still going to send some workers up in shift. And overall, there was some deferring to Solomon's plan. It sounds like in the end, so maybe Hiram saw that wisdom. We're like, we don't just need your men working up there. I'll send up shifts of guys to help and and prepare things and send them back our way. And like you said, take the payment up, and it just makes sense, you know. And the, the other guy wanted his own his own setup. And then uh, you see again at the end where they're, they're maybe closer to home, but they're digging up those fine stones and getting the foundation ready. And again, using high quality 
materials and, and processes and stuff that that honor the Lord and you don't want to give them your you know, these are the leftover stones from building something else and whatever they're they're going and putting in the work to, to get the best of the Lord. Yeah. I love here that in the the opening section, Solomon tells Hiram what he's doing. So he, he wants he's not just buying wood for the sake of buying wood. He wants the best. He's willing to pay whatever cost to get the best. But he told Hiram in the first few verses there in our chapter, this is about me building a house for God. This is about me building a special dwelling place for, for Yahweh, the Lord. And this is this is the one I'm exalting here. So what I like about that is he's giving Hiram a chance to participate. And I don't know if Hiram is even a follower of Yahweh. He's a different country. I, I, I don't know. I, the text is not clear that he's a follower. But he's but he's definitely wanting to be paid, and he definitely wants what's going to come his way. So he's a willing, you know. It's like capitalism is winning at this point with Hiram over whatever faith he might have, and I don't know what that faith is. It's just there it is, and so I like how Solomon brings him in and lets him participate. There's something to be said about that, where it gives it, it kind of he gives him a chance to participate even in the worship of Solomon's God with this. And say so you can you can bless you can be a blessing and you can offer your uh, you can off, offer your wood to be used and your skills as cutters and and yeah I like that but not only that he then inspects what he expects he he sends guys up there to participate so it's even if there's there's going to be standards but he's going to make sure those standards are met so there's there's just wisdom there but it's also I. I like how he lets his neighbors bless him and be a part of this blessing. And yeah, there's something about that. But I think I like that. Um, because like I said, I, I looked at like the ESP study Bible commentary a little bit for this chapter, and I think some commentators don't think he was uh, a follower of Yahweh, the king of Hiram. I it's Tyre. I mean, I think there's some other bad things we say about Tyre in the Bible at points. So, um, but I think it's cool, it shows God's sovereignty too that even unbelievers might be used in their own ways and their own gifts things or whatever the lord gave them even though they're not following him it can still be used by him and will be used by him i think for his own purposes and, and glory and that's kind of cool too well poncho land the plane for us today so so what 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 would you like our listeners and our viewers to take home i think you know from from reading this a couple times this week and seeing other parts of the bible and uh What's been resonating with me a lot is that, that God does want our best. And, uh, you know, we can't, like, in the church, we say, like, give him your first fruits. And the, from the Bible, obviously, like, he, he demands and wants our best, and we should be working to give him the best that we can, and not just an afterthought in our lives, I guess. We should be building our, our lives to worship him, and it's our temple and our offerings. And, and I like resting in that, I guess, and, and thinking about that a lot. But, you know, don't just be half-hearted about your worship. Yeah, a, a big take-home thing for me, and I, I and I appreciate that, Poncho. Don't, don't be half-hearted. That's that's really good words. That if if you're going to serve, serve. If you're going to give, give. Don't 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 just don't just give yourself excuses. Do the minimum, and that's not how God treats us. And and God doesn't give us the minimum. And I, you know, it just Solomon here has has you mentioned the force the forced labor. He he drafted workers. And I really like that about the church is that 
Like, so for example, I, I oversee Celebrate Recovery at our church and what I've noticed about the men, especially the guys. Okay. So I won't speak about the women. They're great too. But the guys, it's like they come up to me and they don't have to be leaders, but they, they come up to me and like, give me something to do and say, well, I need help taking, you know, setting up these tables, taking down these tables. And I'm trying to get out of there by a certain time in the evening because I've got two young kids at home and a wife I want to get home to. And so I'm like, okay, what can I, but they're all saying, I want to do more. I, I, I give, give me something to do. Okay. Will you take the garbage out? You know, I, would you help me with that? So I'm not worried. It's like, like they're wanting to take things off my plate. And these are people whom God has brought from a, a, a time where they were just addicted to themselves. And, and Jesus Christ has now given them purpose and given them meaning. And, and they now have sobriety and, and they're looking at their life and they are so grateful and they can't wait to give back. And so they're begging me for more stuff to do, or I got this, Joel. Don't you worry about it, Pastor Joel. I got this. You can go home now. We're good. We got this, this, and this. And it just and it just amazes me that I don't have to draft people to help me out. I don't have to go to the leaders and say, I need you to do this. You're not doing enough. Or I need you to, I'm really, I'm strapped here, guys. I need help. No. And I look at you, Francisco, you're such a great servant of God in our church. You just want to keep giving and giving and giving and, and you just want to serve and serve and serve. And at no time is anybody drafting you as in, boy, you're just sitting on the sidelines. Let me bring you in and make you do things. No, you want to serve. And that's a blessing about our time now as Christians is that we get to serve God in whatever ways, whatever lanes we're in. It's like, it's a blessing to be able to serve and we want to give back. When we show up at church on Sundays or on Saturdays, we're not just, oh, I'm here again. No, we are grateful. We know what Jesus has done for us. We know the forgiveness we've experienced, the grace that we've received and have not once deserved or earned. And now we gather and, and just say thank you. And we want to serve because we are so grateful to God. And I'm Amen. seeing some of that gratefulness with Solomon here. And I love how he brings in Hiram. And he allows his neighbors to also join this celebration and join this blessing. And I love how, yeah, right now he, he's, he's causing Israel not to sit on the sidelines. He's bringing them in and making them be a part of it. But there's going to come a day in many churches we're already experiencing this where we are not drafted in, where we are wanting to serve and serve as much as we can because we are so grateful and thankful. Well, this has been fun. First Kings chapter five, masterclass theology. As always, I am Big Rev. I'm Pancho. Thank you for all listening on the podcast. And for those of you watching on our, our, our new YouTube channel, we are just getting off the ground with that. Just a few subscribers. We're so grateful to be able to put this out there. And uh, yeah, so like, subscribe, comment. You know the deal. If, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Share, our, share this podcast if that's what you want to do. If this is a blessing to you, it might just be a blessing to a friend. God bless you all. And have a good day. This has been Masterclass Theology. I pray you've been challenged and encouraged during today's episode. And I hope you'll continue to join us as we journey through the Bible. God bless.